too fast. Drop. Too furious. I'm too fast for y'all, man. Drop. Too Ladies and gentlemen, Drop. it's 2003, and we find ourselves in that king of kings city, Miami, Florida. Truly the classiest location for the classiest movies. And that brings us to our subject of our film today, Too Fast, Too Furious, a film that will forever change the way we number sequels and title sequels. You remember The Lord of the Rings? Well, now it's Two Fellowship, Two Rings. <laughs> that made no sense, but neither does this film, I would argue. I'm Natalie Bohensky, and this is Raven on the Raven on podcast subsection analytical thingy, where we are doing a capsule collection podcast series on the Fast and the Furious franchise. And with me, as always, is a man who just wants to jump a car onto a boat. It is Stuart Lane. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Hey, look, I mean, it's one of my lifelong dreams. Who can blame you? Who doesn't want to do that, right? Who can blame you? When that bit started to happen, I was killing myself laughing, Stu. I was killing myself laughing. (laughs) Because, and what I appreciated about the film is that they had Ramon Pierce, Roman Pierce, Ramon Pierce? Roman, yep. Roman, totally being the audience stand in there just going, you're not, oh, you're not, you're not gonna. And then Brian just going, (laughs) yes. We're going to jump a car. And I went, they're not. They're not. They're not. Oh, they did. But at least they had the good graciousness to look massively screwed up by the jump. Like, yeah, like, that, that, that is something that, yeah, we, we can talk about that, but it's definitely funny that, like, Roman breaks his arm. Like, like that yeah. doesn't really happen in future movies. <laughs> yeah. I assume they become, like, battle-proof well, at they, some point. As I as I pointed out to other people, in future movies, basically, when they step into cars, it's like it's like... Robert Downey Jr. getting an Iron Man suit. Right. right? Like they become superheroes. Whereas yes. like in in this movie, they are very much just still two dudes. Two dudes. Now listen, a couple of things just before we get kicking with this film review. First of all, I saw a chap I know called Vance, who's a listener. And Vance is one of the people who's actually really excited that we are doing Fast and the Furious. Oh, and he, he mentioned to me, he was like, oh, I was really excited to see that you started. But you didn't mention Tuna No Crust. Tuna No Crust, yeah. I, I, I kicked myself for that when we finished recording. We should have mentioned that. It is the whitest thing that, <laughs> that Brian could be eating in that in that particular thing. And apparently he gets it every time he goes in. Like he's a, he's a child. He's a tiny child. He's getting in, yeah. he's getting the crust cut off his sandwiches. He's got food eating issues. It's it's a thing. <laughs> it exists. So I, I said I would mention that. And then the other thing, Stu, that I yes. thought I should do up front is remember I told you I was going to get my brother to give some commentary? <sighs> yes, absolutely. On, on the movies. So I remembered to ask him and I said, hey, do you want to just send me like what you thought about the first two? Because we've done the first one and got the second one coming up. Sure. My brother is a man of few words generally mm-hmm. he's yep. he's you know kind of like a yep can do will right. do okay yeah. Yeah. i've That's received sort of i've received essays Stu, Amazing. beautiful essay full of emotion and excitement and memories you've, and you've nostalgia i have tapped a deep vein of my brother's inner poet uh, well, this is the thing you have to understand natalie because like you and i are watching these movies as just you know generic you know fun action movies that, that we are going to critique as we go forward Car guys are watching these movies on a completely different level. They, they oh. are watching a completely different movie to you or I. Yeah. So I have the lowdown 
Yeah. Do you want me to read you just so we can catch up? His... Let's do this, yeah. Let's get his take on the Fast and the Furious. On the first one, and then the, we the can. First one. Yeah, and then either I can go straight into the second, or we can leave the second to the end. Yeah. Um, but this, this is his. Uh, so we're talking two thousand and one. My brother would have been eighteen. Oh yeah, uh, prime Fast and the Furious age. And he was a car guy. He was Absolutely. a rev head. So, and he went to see. So this is what he says. FF1, this is the OG car guy movie. I remember <laughs> I remember watching this in the year 2000, it would have been 2001, at the cinemas in Wollongong when I was at sea with BHP. There is a great Joe Rogan skit on it where he walks out into the car park after the movie, looks at his green Honda Civic with a giant wing and says, holy shit, I own a race car. The cars <laughs> in this movie are now icons of my generation. See MK4 Toyota Supra. And I R3, can definitely attest to that, yes. R34 GTR. Yep. These cars are now trading well over 100K and in some instances 500K if you have a rare version. Paul Walker, brackets RIP, was an avid car collector <laughs> well, and, some of, and some of his cars are into the millions now. He's then sent me some links, some YouTube links. Oh, wow. The car collections, one of which is like Paul Walker's original car. And then he goes into the movie. He says, this movie really was about the import car scene, street racing, girls, modifying cars, etc. The cars were the stars of the movie. Back then, import cars, Japanese domestic vehicles, weren't really big in the USA. It was all American muscle cars. That's right, the pl- yeah. The plot was actually pretty bad, but you didn't care because of the action. Mm-hmm. There is a scene where Paul and Vin race a black Ferrari. The director is driving in the orange Supra and smoke it. We forgot to mention that scene as well, but I remember yes. that being quite fun. He says some corny line like, what's the retail value on that, pal? Ha ha. And he just said, it's a Ferrari, but still got beaten by a Supra. At the time, <laughs> if you own a Supra, you're thinking, excellent. I now have a car faster than a Ferrari. Yep. It opened up a lot of guys thinking that if they just modify, modify their Honda Civic with a wing and NOS, then they will have a race car. Brilliant. And can I just can I just quickly break in to say that I knew plenty of those guys, and that's exactly how they thought. Yes. <laughs> um, well, you're the same. You're actually the same age as my brother, I think, because you're a couple of years younger than me. I think we're very similar. Yeah. So you're you're like December eighty two. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Is that right? My yeah, brother's January eighty three. My brother's January eighty three. There we go. Yeah, we would so have like the same class at high school. Same, that's right. So he says, uh, character wise, I guess they had it all really. The big tough guy, Vin. The prospective cop street racer, Paul, and the rest of the cast. I guess you tried to associate to someone. They have successfully managed to carry most of them through, also right up to the current nine version, which is pretty cool. The tuna scene is pretty famous, and you still see car dudes driving around with stickers that say tuna, no crust, and I have to giggle. <laughs> Finally, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Finally, the big scene at the end where they race the import versus domestic, the super versus the charger. Yeah, that's down a the deal. Around the quarter mile with the train at the end is pretty memorable. May or may not be 100% realistic, but as above, the fact that a modified Japanese car could race and beat an American muscle car quarter mile was awesome. The whole 10-second car then, back then a 10-second streetcar was fast. Now it's pretty common to see eight-second streetcars. Um, This is a quarter mile time. A bit of a laugh too. In summary, still the OG and Hmm. best one of the whole nine. Like Rocky, I guess, it was the most raw. And Hollywood hadn't stepped in yet with big budget and big stunts. So there you go. That's wow. my brother's essay on the fast. He's, he's obviously he's a purist. He's a purist. He, he likes the he likes the original, and and who can blame him? 
He's not just a purist, he's a furist. Furist. <laughs> a fast and the furist? Is fast that a thing? Furist. Have we created the it, thing? It is now. It is now. It is now. We we can only hope to be well, you're a furist. I'm a, I'm hoping to be a furist. Um <laughs> so now we get on to number two. Too fast, yes. too furious. And yes. a very quick um plot recap from my perspective would be a uh, cop from the first one. Brian has ended mm-hmm. up in Miami because he's not a cop anymore. He's illegal street racing, but he gets given one more chance by the customs service. Sure, yeah, US, US customs. US customs, not FBI. There's that one FBI guy who's hanging around who brings him in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he has to go undercover to get a job with a drug lord to run cash out of country and then he'll get his record clean and in mm-hmm. the he takes along an old school chum who has some resolved unresolved anger towards him yes is that that's is that that's basically oh and eva mendez is there She's even like, and also eva mendez is there and also and also ludicrous is there yes uh, and you know, ty reese he's a rapper as well so this is also a rapper um so he's he's roman he's more sort of a prom the, the second lead of the film but yeah yeah uh, you get ludicrous in there who who does the the title song too fast too furious act the fool oh that's um, what it is act, yes. the fool. act the fool i just those kind of like big rap songs from the early mm-hmm. 2000s early to mid 2000s yeah. like usher and all those guys that was some good times man that was some like, good times some- there's some good beats, like, you know, what, like the the one the one way that this this film sort of steps up from the first one is that it's not this weird jukebox soundtrack, like it is okay. it is sort of like this bespoke. It it has a cohesive sound to it, which is actually quite good. Well, there's a great moment, and we'll get into our minute challenge shortly. But there was a great moment in sort of the initial race that they have, where all the guys are comparing their cars. And the first guy is playing rap, and then the next guy turns up his stereo. He's playing rock, yep. and then the next guy turns up his stereo, and he's playing techno. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a lovely little. It's just I a little cross section of like, like what the, what the two thousand three music scene was going. That's on. exactly right, but also how we represent ourselves because we've got yeah. like the black guys, the Hispanic guys, the Asian guys, <laughs> the white guys, and we all have our you know different music choices. That's it. So yeah. Anyway, um, now I went first with the minute challenge last week so it's your turn Stu to start it off with our right. minute challenge where we put a minute on the clock and we try to remember everything that we saw in this movie in one minute it's hard because this movie is like having a, a, a fever dream while being smacked in the face um <laughs> but I, I did manage to put down a couple of things so the first thing was uh just the title uh too fast too furious we talked about this last time but it's yeah. not a title um it's a hell of a way it, it it starts off a weird tradition in this series of just absolutely no cohesion in how they title the sequels. When people list the movies, like they will say Fast and Furious 2, Fast and Furious 3, Fast and Furious 4, but that's not what they're called. No. Right? They have this bizarre, arbitrary, like, naming conventions. Um, it's it's insane. We'll, we'll get to it. But, but this this is the one that started it. And I feel yeah. like it's become a meme on, unto itself. Like, the idea of, mm. like, Too Fast, Too Furious. Like, we made the joke about, like, the... The, the the Lord of the Rings, two two fellowship, two rings. Yeah, I just um, thought of another one. The second one was two towers. You know. Yeah. Well, Sex in the City too. The movie should have been two sex, two city. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> it should have been, and it would have been better for it. Um, the the next item on my list was uh, Brian became a street race legend between movies. <laughs> um, Bullet, I think they call him. Was, yeah, yeah, they, they call him Bullet, 
once at the start. They mentioned it a couple of times. And I'm like, is that a reference to like the movie character, Steve McQueen's bullet? Like, is that what they're doing there? Well, he's blonde haired, blue eyed. Sure. Yeah, it could be. Like, would anyone would anyone in the target demographic for this movie at the time have known who Bullet was? Like, they, they uh, would just thought they were calling him Bullet, like a bullet out of a gun. <laughs> like, works on two bizarre. levels, Stu. Works I on two levels. Does. I guess it does. Hilariously, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure whether you know this, Natalie, but you can watch Brian become a street racing legend in a like what's called like a prequel film. It's hard to explain. It's like a six minute long, basically like prequel short film. Are you talking about a DVD extra? No, right? <laughs> it was included on the DVD extras, but they showed this in cinemas. Wait, what? Yes, I know. It's bizarre, right? It's called- cool. So before the movie? <clears throat> no, 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 not before this movie, insanely, right? So it was put out, it's called The Turbocharged Prelude for Too Fast, Too Furious, the right? Is, it was directed by a different director. It's written by a different writer, right? And it, it literally bridges the gap. Like we start with- Brian running from the cops after he lets Dom go. And then he sort of goes across the country racing in street races and becoming a local legend in the street racing circuit. That's so great. Which is when he shows up at the start of this, people are like, oh shit, it's Brian. It's so unnecessary because, you know, you can just fill that in in your head like I did. Or just include it in the start of the movie. I mean, it was almost two hours. Maybe they thought they were pushing it. I mean, there were a lot of car races in this movie, Stu. I don't know. (laughs) There were were way more car races in this movie, which, to be fair, for a a franchise that is ostensibly about, like, street racing, is probably a good thing. It's probably a good thing, yeah. There's a bit of variety. This movie starts, like, we get straight into the action, but by action, I mean unrelated street racing, right? Like, we just just do a bunch of street races to start the film, which is just insane like it's just crazy to me well you've got to show you've got to demonstrate that brian is now not a cop and how he makes his money well exactly is winning illegal street races yes when other people don't turn up and then he turns up in his nissan skyline i think it was yes famous see that my brother probably around 2003 had a nissan skyline Mm mm-hmm he loved that thing, and I think he regrets selling it because apparently now they're really because they don't make them anymore. They don't, and they they and, they're sort of classic cars now, yeah. Yeah, and people will pay a lot of money for them, and so he'd sort of got a secondhand <laughs> one because that's how most of them got around. I think is you get it secondhand. Yeah, and he loved that thing, but yeah, ended up selling it for reasons I can't quite remember at the moment. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was like super into. He spent so much money on you know souping up cars and fiddling with things and. You know, I said I would be doing that sound. <laughs> oh, I might be able to get him on the podcast too, by the way, because I, I was messaging oh, him and he said, oh, I'll come on for the Tokyo Drift podcast because it's so crap. <laughs> I, can well, just, yeah. I can just bag it. And I was like, ah, oh, we might be recording that when I'm in Adelaide. So maybe we'll wait until when I'm back and we can do it in person with Stu. And he's like, yeah, no problem. So we'll have to get him on one of the later ones. Yeah. I don't think he has a computer at home. My brother is very, like, relatively off-grid. Oh, right. Okay. Like, for, I don't even know if he has the internet at home anymore. I think he must do now because of COVID. They would have got the internet at home. But we before can just COVID, use his phone now. This is the thing. Well, true. True. But I, I don't know. I feel like it should be a personal experience. We'll all get in the room and you can see my brother just going, yeah. Um, <laughs> Fair but, yeah, so <laughs> Back to your list. Sorry, Stu. The next time I, I said that uh, I wrote down that um, Brian became a street race legend between movies, dot, 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 but is still a plank of wood um, because 
he is just a personalityless void in this movie. Do you agree? And- like, like, it's, it's, I have this theory about Paul Walker. I, I'm, I'm starting. I, I, I had already, I already formed it, but the, the rewatch has like really cemented it for me. He's not Keanu Reeves. Like Keanu Reeves has something. Like he has a spark of something, and he exists as as a bit of a blank slate that the audience can project themselves onto. Definitely. But he still brings. He like Keanu is still bringing something to roles. Do you know what I mean? Even if it's like insane or or, or bananas. Keanu has he, an edge. Definitely, he does. He does. Yeah. I, I couldn't see Paul Walker doing the John Wick series, for example. Like there's something. No. There's something about. Keanu, especially like later period Keanu, where he really tapped into what makes him a movie star. Yes. Paul Walker is a mirror in the sense that if he has a fun and charismatic person to play off of, they're just reflected in him. Yes. And so you've got Vin Diesel in the first movie. And so you've got, they have kind of a, a edgy sort of antagonistic relationship. In this movie, you have Roman Tyrese coming in as, as Roman. A bit uh, unpredictable, who, you know. Unpredictable, but, you know, playful. And yeah. they have they have more of a fun sort of buddy-buddy yeah. sort of relationship. And he's just going with it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and he's just he's just like, oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm making a movie. It's fun, right? Making movies. It's, it's fun stuff. Yeah. Get to drive fast cars, see pretty women. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just not. The thing he's is, a plank of wood. But the thing is, he's very, he's not an offensive plank of wood, if no, that makes no. sense. Like it's, he's, not, it's not, he, he's watchable because he's very beautiful. He's a beautiful he, man. Yeah. And he's somehow he, able to be, you're somehow able to put yourself in his shoes and be like, yeah, if I was running illegal drag races in Miami, my problem, you know, my problem would probably be a weakness for the ladies too. <laughs> You know all the hot sugar mummers hanging out in their g strings in Miami. Even though it's even though it's never really a problem for him, like it's never a conflict that has any bearing on the plot. But anyway, that's, that's fine. That's not. <laughs> oh, but he has honor. He has honor. You know, sure. to protect the ladies. Mm-hmm. To to you know, so that's why he's never going to just go home or turn around if there's a lady in trouble. He's got a bit of a white knight, but not. He's not like a weird, creepy guy going, m'lady, but he's like, no, I will. It's that old school bravado and. No, totally. I, I know, totally get it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Got to stop this guy because well, the well, woman's it's, in trouble. It's just, it's just that thing where he is the whitest of white guys. Like he's and just- you know what? What I put on my minute challenge, just to yeah. spoil it for you, is I'm like, he's just in a series of progressively whiter and whiter outfits. Yes, I know. <laughs> I was going to mention the clothes. Because, like, he is in the whitest 2003-era clothes I've ever seen in my life. Oh, and, like, at one point he's wearing a East Coast Choppers. I would be wearing several of these ensembles, you know, not not the, not the, um, the... The, the bespoke garage shirt with his name embossed on it, but like you know, definitely some of the loose t-shirts and stuff like that. It's well, just a very he, 2003. He was wearing it. It was at West Coast Choppers, East Coast Choppers, West, uh, West, West, Coast, Coast, West Coast Choppers. Yeah, those shirts were everywhere at this yeah. time. I think they had yeah, a yeah. TV show. They like chopping bikes up and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And so he wears that t-shirt, but then that's the only one with any kind of. I think I, I I miss the one that you're talking about with the embossed garishes. Everything else was either just a collared short sleeve shirt or a t-shirt, like a red t-shirt or a yeah. white t-shirt or a blue yeah. t-shirt. It was just t-shirt central. Meanwhile, you've got Ro- Ro- Roman? Roman. Roman. You've got Roman in denim cut-off sleeves with bandanas exactly. and baggy jeans and whatnot. And Eva Mendes, and again, this is spoiling my list, but mm. she's in the most 2003 low-cut denim flares. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Low slung belt yeah. and 
the tops I've put on my list, all of her tops slip down over her nipples, but she's wearing mm-hmm. a bra underneath. So <laughs> yes. none of her none of her shirts or dresses cover her her nipples. No, um, it's a sad sad time in two thousand where we just didn't have the fabric. <laughs> no, that's uh, right. to cover the nipples. You just had to let your bra it was, show. It was a long so, national nightmare. It was. <laughs> Uh, and they want to bring that back. They want to bring yeah. back the bumsters. She's like so. It, it is, that is coming back, by the way. Can I just say, like, like that, that that look, that that low rise jeans with the the, the bare midriff and the and the loose yeah. top sort of thing. It's oh no, it's not a loose top. It's, it's top. That, that, the outfit she wears top, at the top, end. Yeah. The one outfit where her boobs are covered is this yeah. white t shirt she's wearing at the end with a pair of like tan or denim. They might have been denim, a light denim wash flared bumster sort of jeans with a very low tan <laughs> belt. And I remember attempting to wear things like that. Not, yes. not though, uh, just, my God, it was like, you know, she's not a super skinny woman, but she's still really skinny. Mm, yes. To pull yeah. that off. Like you just can't, oh God. No, absolutely. And, well, th- yeah. that, might be, that might be a good thing because then the next one, well, not, not the next item on my list, but one of the ones that I wrote down was just the word objectification. Because uh, <laughs> I remember last time you sort of mentioned, oh, you know, like, it's just it's just like tits and cars this this yeah. series and it's like well the first one is fairly quaintly tame by comparison to some of the later ones and i i forgot that they they really lean into it straight away with the second one where it's just it's just women in skimpy clothing standing next to cars well you're in like, miami stew it's hot oh it's just true it's hot but they You've also they also do strike a, you know, they do strike a, a, bit, a big hammer for feminism because they've got the Suki, the car driver, and her all female <laughs> crew. whose name is Suki, who drives a pink car like she's like she's Penelope Pitstop in the Wacky Races. Yeah, but you know, she's a girl and she's got an all female sure. crew. Nothing wrong with a pink car, and the, and also they called her skirt, and she's like, hey, screw you, and uh, she came second in the race. So mm-hmm. I was okay with Suki, um, but yeah, she's a tiny person, and I was like, I know her face from somewhere, and then I realized she's like. She was a major supermodel in the late nineties and two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, she, and she's and she's been in other movies as well and, and all sorts of things. Um, but yes, so yeah, the, but there's like pool scenes where you got lots of girls in bikinis mm-hmm. splashing yeah. around. There's because- there's also there's also one scene where they literally just lay Eva Mendes oh, yeah. in a tiny white bikini, like a li- like, almost literally <laughs> like a piece of meat. Yeah, um, and she, she's in the white bikini like Ursula Andress. Do you remember that movie Swordfish? This is about the time yes, Swordfish yes, might have been I a do. year or two earlier where they had the most gratuitous – it was like famous for Halle Berry being paid a million dollars to show her boobs or something yeah. like that, getting a massive bonus. And she was like, yeah, I'll show my boobs if you give me a million dollars or whatever it was. And so they paid her a million dollars. And it's the most gratuitous – like you would have thought it would be done in some sort of, you know, kind of, ooh, look, it was Halle Berry's boobs if you looked mm. over there. And she's literally reading a newspaper. Hugh Jackman walks up to her and is like, hey, baby, or something. And she goes, what? And puts the newspaper down. Just boobs right there. And it's yeah. like, whoa, I admire the just, you know, we paid a million dollars for these. So we're not trying to film. We are capturing these in full IMAX glory. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, listen, it's Halle Berry. She can do what she wants. She's amazing. She's incredible. But um, I do love that that was caught kind of almost this movie's version of that. It was like, let's yeah. just have this lecherous bad dude kind of leer down at her <laughs> amazing figure. In, in a scene that, like, I mean, could have been anything, but but they just, they were just like, okay, for this one, you're going to be in a tiny bikini. Yeah. There's also the weird running plot. I'm not sure whether you, you mentioned this in your list at all, but like Eva Mendes is ostensibly, there's some sort of romantic thing between her and Paul Walker, and yet, no, there isn't. Like the movie it's does no whatsoever. It's very chaste. Um, at one point, they they 
kiss towards the end of the movie. I'm like, where did that come from? Like they've been they've been flirting, but like we we haven't seen anything. And then Roman says, "Oh, you know, um, he's got your girl." I'm like, "Your girl? What are you talking about?" Like well, this- the object of his lust. Yes, well, you know, exactly. Yeah, sure. Roman's, Roman's got his number. You know, Roman knows that his buddy is a is a is a fool for the ladies. <laughs> he's not going to run away when there's a lady in danger. Absolutely not. My my bigger question with that though, and I'm not sure if this is on your your list, is was she actually boning the bad guy? Because that's very ambiguous as well. Because she's gone undercover as a customs agent officer to get into his inner circle. And yeah. she's the one organizing the drivers to drive for him. So she's able to get away enough to go do reconnaissance with the customs officers. Yes. But then she comes back and he treats her like his bit on the side. And at one he, point he, he, treats he, her see- like, he treats her specifically like, like she's like living in the house and can't really leave. And then she yeah. says, she says, I have friends. I can, I, I leave and do stuff. It's like would have would have loved a bit more of that. Like you know, yeah. just and then at one point, you know, in the nightclub, in the club, in the club, he sees her looking at something that Brian wallpaper is wearing, and, uh, <laughs> and and is touching his hand. And then he grabs her and he's like, "If I see you touch another man again, I'll kill you." Mm. And she just kind of goes, "Okay." And you're never quite sure, even at the end when he works out that I she's the spy, yeah, yeah. She's, she's, the, she's the one who's been grassing on him, she just stands there like, mm-hmm, and he's like, get her on the boat. She's like, <sighs> she just goes on the boat. It's I mean, very yeah, weird. Yeah. That, that feels like a failure of direction, to be honest. Like that, that is very poor. <laughs> yeah, and then they try to give her agency back at the end after they jump the, uh, yes, they jump the then, car on the boat. Because then she gets and the shotgun and, yeah. In, in the ruckus, she steals mm. his shotgun and turns on him and is like, huh, I got you now. But I just, you know how they jumped the car and they got onto the boat? Yeah. I feel like what they did with Eva Mendes's character is they jumped her character and then they just fell short of the boat. <laughs> and she fell into the water. They kind of got the front you know, the front bar, the front, what do you call the front of a car? The bonnet. They got half the bonnet onto the <laughs> boat at the back, but then it sort of fell off and kind of lodged and was slightly being dragged by the boat. Yeah, it just wasn't quite that, you know, they didn't stick the landing on that one, I don't think. An excellent an excellent question to be asking, by the way, for our Fast and the Furious podcast. What do you call the front of a car? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was about to say front bumper, but that's like a, a ute or something. Has a, Do you have a bumper in a normal car? You would have a bumper? Yeah, I, I, you would you'd probably call that a bumper, the I grill. guess. The grill? The grill? Yeah, that, that feels American, though. Oh, okay. The, the the front bit where your license plate normally is. That area. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think Americans call it a fender. But I, oh, I my, be, a fender. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what my brother would think of me if he heard me try to explain. <laughs> you know, the bit at the car where if you're yeah, sort of prank. If you prank someone and then yeah, uh, but, but, I, but just uh, well, I I think it's it's really interesting actually. I I think not not to get too like uh, technical in, into filmmaking and stuff like that, but I, I think it's very very interesting that they remain very ambiguous as to exact to that exact question. Like, is she actually like sleeping with him? And they they really don't answer it. Like 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 you can you can read between the lines that yeah, she probably is. And well, she's probably part, had to to get she's hit, probably had his to, trust. And, that's, and that's part of that's part of her undercover work. But then there's a weird morality at play there because, like, Paul Walker 
is romantically interested in her and then does that change things if she's sleeping with this other guy? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so that the movie kind of backs away from that and just doesn't deal with it at all. Yeah. There's it just, no... just leaves it nice and open so that like Paul Walker can be vaguely romantically interested in her, except not because they're not together at the end of the movie. Like she well, goes away. They shake hands and say, good to work with you. Yeah, and then she makes with you. And then she, she, and then makes... she leaves. Now, doesn't she make some reference about having to see him again later? Or I can't remember. I mean, sure, but that's just flirting. Like, I mean, like, they're not together at the end of there's, the movie. I, I, no I still big... don't get the impression that they're going to, like, push yeah. up later. Like, it's she's she's leaving. Yeah, you sort of get the idea. And to me, in, in some ways, I kind of give the movie credit for that because I was assuming oh, sure. that they would, would have the big kiss at the end and then Roman would be there like, ah, I told you. Look at them, break it up, you know, kind of thing. But they didn't. They just shook hands and then went and had their buddy buddy moment about how they somehow managed to steal away some of the cash from the, <laughs> like, the from uh, in the, in the land. like he literally it would have been really fun. Like there was only three bags, right? It's like, yeah, just three bags. And turns out there were six bags. You know, but then he's like, ah, just kidding. There were six bags, but I did still steal some. You know, it's like, what? Like you just, it's just a hat on a hat. Like make, make the fun joke. Don't make a fun joke, walk it back and then like do like a weird half joke. It was a weird thing to say. It, it was like showing that they were honorable and actually we are honorable yeah, guys. And yeah, we do, I mean, sure. we yeah. do give you all the evidence. We just happened to steal, you know. In pocket like several thousand dollars. <laughs> um, no, they said they were going to open a garage. So yeah, yeah. So probably a couple of hundred, hundred like hundred K. I don't know. <laughs> what do you need to open a garage? But yeah, it was like a buddy, you know, a buddy buddy movie. Yeah, but it, mm. it was it was really interesting that the dynamic with um, Carter Verone and uh, Eva Mendes. It, it she was kind of half cool inside spy, half damsel held by you know like Domino from that's what she reminded me of Domino. Yeah, from yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I know how much you love to talk and reference Thunderball oh, on this podcast. I, I you so. just adore that movie. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> A movie that is still playing. It's still going. It's still going. (laughs) Sean Connery is dead and the movie is still going. That's it, exactly. They're still filming it somehow. (laughs) It's a, what do they call that um, thermal dynamic? Um, No, law of perpetual. Perpetual motion machine? Perpetual motion machine. That's that's what it is. They invented it. It's called Thunderball. Thunderball is is existing somewhere (laughs) because it is the longest movie ever made. But anyway, um, the next item on my list quickly was uh, I just I just uh, wrote Roman and in brackets and Tej because uh, they will become Tej. Uh, that's Tej. how you pronounce that, that, it. That's ludicrous. Ludicrous. Uh, so he's he's the guy who organizes the the street races and and that sort of thing, and he's like the fixer and, and that sort of thing. Oh, Stu, he's the man to know in Miami. Mm, absolutely. They absolutely. say that. They say that. Yeah, yeah. Brian <laughs> says it to Roman. Brian says they they have a they have a handshake and everything. It's it's you know very good. Um, but uh, what did you think of uh, Tyrese in this? Like as as the co leader, but basically, basically as the as the Dom replacement. Um, yeah, was, very different energy. Yes. Well, he had that like I've been wronged and I've been in jail and it's your fault, even though it's not really. It's probably my fault. But hey, you became a cop, so you became the enemy. So now you got to prove yourself to me. But he was kind of fun and excitable when he saw cars. He got really keen for cars. You know, he had a. He had a <laughs> He had a genuine lust for driving and life mm-hmm. that was yep. uh, contagious. So he yeah, he definitely has personality on screen and you know character and dynamism. So they they kind of worked well off each other in that sense. And it it was funny how in a lot of the scenes where they were bantering, you would actually see Paul Walker 
smiling in a way that he didn't smile or in other scenes, yeah. which made it look like he probably was just having a really good time. No, totally. If you, if, you, if you see Kyrie. some of the, um, if you see some of the uh, outtakes and, and bloopers and things, um, they're just mucking around like the whole time. Yeah. Like, like they obviously, they obviously got on really well. So you, that, and that, and that really comes through. It really comes through. And what, what's really interesting is that as soon as the cameras stop rolling, Paul Walker comes to life. Like he's he's like you know to, you know joking and mucking around with Tyrese. And then That's the camera funny. rolls, and it's just the the mask comes down. It's insane. Wow. Very weird. That's his character, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Like, but but he plays that character in every film he's in. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, really interesting because his voice still reminded me so much of Keanu Reeves. Like, mm. okay, okay, what are we going to do now? I Except everyone's this. calling each other bruh. And it was bruh. just, bruh. Yeah, <laughs> bruh. And it's, it's funny like, oh, watching. Oh, right, rain it in, guys. It is funny watching the subtitles because I had the subtitles on. So you'll see like, what you're looking at, bruh, or something. And then you'll yeah. hear, I need to go. And the subtitles just has mumble or you know, <laughs> unintelligible or something. So all the all the street talk. Yeah. Whoever's been doing the captions is just like I give up. I'm, I'm not. I'm not pulling out Urban Dictionary for that one. Yeah. That's fine. The last item on my list, uh, or second last rather, was uh, Nos equals warp speed times two. Um, yeah. Because this movie, uh, I forgot. I, I always forget how cartoony it is. Like it's so weird in those street racing scenes where they just like because we we t- I talked a lot in about the first one they did a lot of practical car driving and car mm. stunts and things like that in this one they immediately switched to computer generated. Okay, I was going to ask you that because some of those chases, particularly when they all of a sudden went, it did look like a cartoon car. Yes, going off into the like it. It looked like dodgy CGI, but I, I yeah. wasn't sure if they'd stuck with the. Um, they obviously, did like a lot of practical car stunts, but like a lot of this movie is CGI cars uh, doing crazy shame. things. Uh, you know, which is big step down because uh, especially in those opening uh, scenes, the CGI probably isn't quite there, so mm. it, it, it does look like a video game. Did they do the jump on the boat for real? Because that looked like it could have been real. So, so yeah, so, and that was the last time on my list is the cool boat stunt. So basically they, they spent three months constructing and planning this big set piece where they, they did launch a car. <laughs> Someone wasn't in it at the time, but they did like launch a car off a ramp onto like a, a makeshift, like like a, a constructed boat. So w- when you see the car like shoot through the air and land on the boat, that's real. They really did that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, because um, they were driving alongside of it on the road for a while and then they somehow were able to take a turn and then jump yes. off the end of a pier <laughs> and I don't know how the boat turned in such a way. <laughs> that seemed a bit dodgy. But yeah. The actual jump itself did look kind of like, you know, Roger Moore doing that twist car in um, yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gun. But I, I just assumed it was... The boat was parked, but you know exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. made so, to so look the, like it was moving, sort of yeah. thing, you know. And you yeah, just yeah. cut, and do some specific cutting this way, this way, and it looks, you know, like it is moving. But exactly, um, it, it's it's on the one hand not super impressive, but also like it is it is pretty impressive. Like they 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 really did launch a car onto like a yeah. like a boat. <laughs> it I was mean, a real thing. What was the big thing at the end of the first movie was going across the train. I mean, yeah, so, that, that was that was it. So you <laughs> so, can see them as a production team. They're going, already okay, stepping up. What do we need to do? To We went in front of a train. I know, a boat. <laughs> let's do a boat and let's jump a car. And you can see them going, oh, yeah, we're going to you know kick it up a notch from Fast and the Furious. We're going to have them go onto a boat. And that's where the danger starts. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're in space <laughs> from what I've heard. Well, it is an incredibly slippery slope, yes. <laughs> 
I love that. I'm trying. Uh, I'm, try, I'm genuinely trying not to give too much away, but I'm so excited about do it. You know, yeah. I actually got really intrigued, and I was starting to Wikipedia up. You know, the next movie. And right. then look, because I started just thinking like, oh, what, you know, what, how did they deal with Paul Walker dying? And, and then I went, no, Natalie, do not look ahead. You've got to, you've got to go on the journey. We'll have plenty uh, to say So I stopped that. myself. Okay. That will be number seven. Is that right? Number eight. How they deal. Yeah. Number, number seven is where he, he died during production and how right. they, how they deal with his death going forward is, is frankly bonkers to me. But anyway, that's okay. <laughs> neither here nor there, but it's, it's fine. Well, let me go over my list because we covered a lot of similar ground. Yes. Um, I mentioned Rapper's Delight. We've Absolutely. got some rappers getting involved. Eva Mendez has no boob coverage and Brian <laughs> wears the whitest outfits. Yes. I mentioned those. Uh, no Vin Diesel, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was, he was off, I think we mentioned last week, but he was mentioned he's off making Triple X. Uh, that's right. This one. Yes. He, he, he felt that he was offered $25 million to return. For this really? Movie. Yes. For the second yes. Fast and the Furious. Because the first one was a huge hit. Like it got it got mixed reviews, but it was a massive hit. Yeah. And like we're onto something here. Like you have to come back. And then he's like, no, I don't want to. And then they're just like, well, what do we do here? Like we'll give you lots of money. He's like, no, no, you can't touch this. The first one was so pure. Like he, <laughs> he literally said this to them. Like the first one was such a flash in the pan that like we can't we can't do it again. You can't possibly do it again. So instead, I'm going to go make triple X. <laughs> That's the one that has potential longevity. Something that has potential. That, that's the franchise that I'm I'm setting up. I really thought I would miss him in the movie, but um, Roman you, you, Pierce. Weirdly, is, you don't. Yeah, like, yeah. like having Roman there really helps. Yeah. I wrote about, yes, were they actually boning about uh, Eva Mendez's character, <laughs> Monica. Carnivore Roan, I wrote, he's just a lame bad guy. Like in, he, He's extremely generic and, and what's yes. and what, making it. Slightly more awkward is that they, they never say what race he is, but he's absolutely a white guy playing a playing a Latino man. So not is great. He, I didn't I didn't get him playing a Latino at all. I didn't well, get I mean, that. He's playing like Carter Verone. Like I assume. No, I assume they said he's... they said he was born in Argentina or something, but then moved to Europe. Or I I just got random white dude with mixed lineage. Uh, I don't know. I just I didn't oh. get Mexican from. The only thing that I noticed is that in every scene he seemed to have one less button done up on his shirt. <laughs> Did you notice that? So by the end, when he's getting on the boat, like it's down to his navel. If he'd had the shirt totally open, that would have been less weird. It was the fact that he had like six buttons undone and then the last two or three from his navel down. I was like, dude, what are you doing? See, for this this movie, that counts as character development. Ah, I see. Mm. Maybe it was a signal of him losing control over Ah, the situation. Absolutely. Because he, you know, he's got too much to do. He doesn't have the control and the time to (laughs) properly collar his shirt. Ah, see? They thought about this. They had some costume signifiers of, you know, character. (laughs) I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of um, characters' pieces, it had Richard Wright in it. Do you know who Richard Wright is, Stu? Uh, do I? No, I don't. I don't know. Does the phrase "long pink delicious" mean anything to you? No. <laughs> Should it? James Rema? No, because Stu, you have not done your full education of the early. Uh... Oh, James, you're talking about James Rema now, okay? I'm talking about James Rema. Yes. He is in Sex and the City. Ah, as, of course, of course, yes. As I one know. of Samantha I Jones. Instantly know what you mean. Yes, okay. One of Samantha Jones's conquests. Yes. And uh, if you go to... Well endowed, I understand. Well, if you go to a particular episode where they have a skinny dip and you go in and then you just 
pause <laughs> and you jog shuttle a little it just you, before he jumps into the pool and she jumps into the pool and there's just a little moment if you pause rightly <laughs> you can learn a lot you can right. learn a lot right um but yes he as a character was supposed to have what did she describe it as the most um incredible dick the most perfect perfect the most perfect dick i've ever seen long pink amazing is how she said not delicious i said that that's a freudian slip she said long pink amazing and then later he presents her with a rose and the voiceover goes there it was long pink amazing see he was clever um but yes so it's really funny whenever i see him in anything i'm always like oh my god it's richard wright from sex in the city uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think what I, I mean, I, I trying to think what I would actually associate him with. And I'm just like, oh, it's James Rima. Like, I mean, I know he's just that guy. He's one of those yeah, guys. Who's, he's one of those guys. He's in like 50 things. And it makes sense that he was playing a customs because he's, he's kind of good in, uh, he's sort of well suited to that FBI mm. guy, ATF guy, customs yeah. guy, you know, authority guy who maybe tries to stab you in the back a little bit and then tells you to pull your fucking head in because he's <laughs> running this operation. Um, you know, he does that well. So that was fun to see him. Does he come back at all? Is he? Um, I'm trying to remember whether he does or not. Uh, is the customs watch, officer. Watch this space. Watch this space. Whatever his name is. Um, I did have a question about the the guys have, they they get given by the government these souped up Mitsubishis? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one's one's an Evo, and one's a um. Oh god, what's the other one? Um, your your brother is shouting at the at the. Yeah, no, right I now. have a, I have an essay from my brother on this, so I'll yes. quickly fast forward because I think he okay. Green Evo Seven, Paul, and the horrid yeah. purple Mitsubishi Eclipse convertible. Eclipse, Tyree. that's right. Yeah, the Eclipse. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, I'll, I'll finish. I'll finish his essay later. But those are the okay. cars, and they look pretty cool and pretty fast. But then they yeah. decide they need to get the other guys' cars. And it took a while for me to go, why are they getting other cars? And then they're still driving their own cars. Yeah, it, it took me. And then eventually they they brought them back because that's what they used to put in my favorite thing that I wrote down. Ejector seats. Ejecto seato cars. And ejector seats are joking. I just, I had a real bond love moment where I'm like, oh my God, they're putting ejector seats in the cars. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was good. And then the other thing that I really loved, but yeah, I, so I was a bit confused as why they needed to, to do that. But anyway, um, I really loved the scramble when they were, miss, you know, they planned how to ditch the cops and the FBI and the customs and everything. Mm. And they did a switcheroo with Suki and Tej in the yeah. Mitsubishis and then they went off in the muscle cars with the ejector seats. And then they brought out all the cars to to confuse everyone and all the cops were running, the, the big trucks were running into the cop cars and, I was like, yeah. I actually really like that. I, that's a really clever little device. And they, no, absolutely. The guys, it's, a good, it's a good set piece, yeah. All the guys who you've seen racing and being all aggressive towards each other are all of a sudden united in this, you know, quickly Indeed. distract the cops. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beautiful moment and well, I respect that. There's a weird plot thing that's going on there because there was supposed to be like a 15-minute window where they were able to get into the trailer, get the cash out and then go. Yes. Right. But then it, that didn't happen well, and so was... there's like a giant like chase, yeah. but they don't want there to be a giant chase because it's both too, it's convoluted. And too and too convoluted at the yeah. same time. It's weird. Because they had the corrupt cop who Carter Verone was interrogating and, and threatening. Ah, oh, I forgot to mention that in my list, but how good was a bit of medieval torture? 
I really respected Robert, Game of Thrones stuff. I, I really respected that he went with the hungry rat gnawing its way out of someone's because that was an old school, you know, punishment thing yeah, that appara- yeah. apparently used to happen. One of my biggest sadnesses in life was as a girl who used to collect books like the giant Hamlin book of crime and punishment with a two page <laughs> with a two page double spread of uh, ancient, uh, not ancient necessarily, but medieval torture methods and, and execution this, methods. This is why we're friends, Natalie. Thank you, Stu. I was very nerdy about death, but I, that was that was a school prize. Did you ever have school prizes? I'm very nerdy, probably. That was a school prize. Well, when we had school prizes, I was um, <clears throat> I don't like to brag, but I was ducks of year nine. Yep. <laughs> yep. Thank you very much, ducks of year nine. That's right. I got a VH in every single subject, including maths. That's People right. There was a time where I could do maths. Absolutely. <laughs> Never again, but in year nine, I was all over that shit. And so I won Ducks of the Year. Now, I only got one book that year and I picked uh, 100 classic movies because I was super into Hollywood movies and it was like 100 classic movies. I still don't know where that book is. I would love to find it because mm-hmm. it was my life's mission to try and watch all the films on that list. And I think I may be a quarter through. Yeah. And I don't know where the book is. It may have disappeared. Anyway, year 12, I was like an academic prize winner for something but then I won like three other prizes I can't even remember why but they were like oh you get to choose four books and I'm like what and they're like oh yeah you've won this this and this and this so they would get a whole bunch of books into the library put them out on a table and then all the year 12s would go through first and pick theirs and then down the grades so you know by year nine year eight you were getting the last of the stuff Hmm. year 12 obviously it's your last year you get first dibs fair enough and so that year I picked up four books and I was like holy shit I need to get the biggest books and I know I got a book on the Nazis um I got a World War II book like a really big Hitler compendium or something you know and like all year nine girls do no that was year 12 that was oh, year, year 12. 12 sorry yes I feel I might have got I can't remember the other two directly but I feel one might have been movie related but one of them was the Hamlin book of crime and punishment or punishment and execution right Anyway, it was just a lot of pictures of dudes, you know, on the, you know, um, you know, the donkey or the horse, you know, the big triangle thing looked like a pyramid yes. and then they'd lower yeah, yeah. You, your testicles mm-hmm. right on top of it. Sure. That was great. That was great. Um, yeah, all the execution methods, Iron Maidens, all that shit. One of the distressing things that I later discovered is a lot of this shit was invented. Like yes, some by, of that by stuff, like Victorian But, well, even earlier, just by Mm. traveling freak show people who would go, oh, yes, on the continent or in this country, in this barbaric place, they lock people up in Iron Maidens and let them, you know, be nailed to death. And everyone would go, oh, those ghastly barbaric countries. It was all a sham. It was all a show. It was all a a freak show. It's all traveling freak show stuff. That was really disappointing to me. (laughs) I mean, sure. You you wanted people to be killed in horrifying and and entertaining ways. Well, it's fascinating. Mm. Maybe this is why I do like Game of Thrones. The weird thing is I don't like horror movies where this kind of shit happens. Like I don't want to go. Like the Stork series, for example, or or that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, no, not not interested in that. But real life stuff, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I want to know all about it. I want to know all about it. This is the true crime phenomenon. It's true. It, it, it is true, true crime. And Stu, the sooner we can turn this podcast into a true crime podcast, the better. <laughs> I, I feel like that, that, is, that is an inevitability at some point. Maybe we should do a capsule collection on like a true, you know, on a true crime. I wonder what we could call it. 
rave we've already done raven craven on no um <laughs> repulse on repulse ripping on i don't know i don't know, oh, I don't know. ripping on Stu, let's do jack the ripper come on oh, let's do boy. jack the ripper movies jack the oh, ripper movies yeah because there there's some there's some potential there i was gonna say we're not gonna become a jack the ripper podcast I mean, I'm not averse to that, Stu. I am not averse. <laughs> but you know Jack me. The movies, that's but interesting. Jack the Ripper that's movies. Anyway. I mean, there's all sorts of different takes on Jack the Ripper over the, over sure. the years. There's been, Absolutely there's been there ones is. where I'm sure they've had Sherlock Holmes work it out. The From Hell with the From, old from Hell, quite face. famously, yep, yep, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there are others. There's, there's, there's others. <laughs> well, look, so, something to think the Lodger, about. The Lodger by Alfred Hitchcock is kind Indeed. of about... Jack the Ripper, basically, and he did sort two of. versions of that. We could we could get a bit in that. If you know any other Jack the Ripper movies, and I should know this, but you know, call in. This could be ripping on. Is that in bad taste? <laughs> Statue of Limitations has gone on, surely. Yeah, Stu, we have gone way past bad taste. I say embrace it. We do Jack the Ripper movies, and then ultimately we assume our final form is a true crime podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It was always going to end this way. And all of our listeners just disappear because yeah. I don't think any yeah. – I don't know how many of our listeners would cross over into true crime. I might be the only one. Um, I, I don't suspect there would be too many, but there would be yeah. a couple. We would be, would we'd be, be broadcasting to an audience of dozens. Yes. The thing is you might get new listeners because true crime content, as we know, suckers people in. <laughs> That's what we want, to trick people then, to listen to us. Hmm, no, but Jack the Ripper movies could be a good one or – or just expand it out to serial killer movies and like do Silence of the Lambs or Copycat, The Bone Collector. I've seen The Bone Collector. Sure. Movies about serial killers I don't mind so much. It's just like <laughs> Silence of the Lambs is a great movie. It's more horror. It's more like body horror yes. that, I, I, that I don't like. No, fair um, enough. I once went and saw The Devil's Rejects. Have you heard of that film? I, I, I'm aware of that film, yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot. Yeah. That was a yeah, lot. Yeah. I saw that at quite a young age, I think, and I was quite terrified. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not a. It's a, it's a, it, a proper old school grind grindcore movie. Grindcore, but also it's kind of got got this weird humor running through it, which made me almost mm. more upset. Yes, <laughs> it's like, oh no, they're doing jokes. What is going on? I'm sorry. You shouldn't be doing bits. Oh, uh, Wolf Creek, for example. I went to see Wolf Creek with, uh, I was doing a play with this girl at the time and I think I got free tickets or something and I took her along and I was a couple of years older than her and she was freaking the hell out and I was freaking out but because she was freaking out, I had to like hold her and go, it's okay, it's okay, don't look now, don't look now, don't look now. So I was trying to, you know, having to watch to make sure she was not more disturbed than she was and she might have been having a fun time. that level of distress, you could probably probably just leave. You know, like, the thought never occurred to me. Um, <laughs> I felt like I've got, got to watch see, film to the end. I've got to see this through. I've got to see what John Jarrett does. But yeah, that that film was pretty. That was pretty rough. And then the other thing I didn't like about it, which is a movie cliche that I'm sure mm. you'll agree with, is at one point, like one of the girls. Have you seen Wolf Creek? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's about three backpackers, British backpackers, who get helped when they break down by John Jarrett. Um, Loosely inspired by real killings that happened in the Australian yeah. outback. Well, that's right. You just, you don't go into the outback. Don't no. go there. No. Just don't do it. So they, um, they get helped when their car breaks down and um, then he takes them to his campsite and gives them all nice fresh rainwater and then they, work, they wake up bound and tied and are slowly picked off in horrific ways. 
and one girl manages to escape and finds a bin full of video cameras, picks up the one on top, presses play and watches a bit of them back. Or maybe it's another one showing the water, him pouring the water, I think maybe for another family. Hmm. And so she realizes, oh my God, this is his modus operandi. He's done this to other people before he gives them water. It's in the water. But the thing is, is that she picked it up and pressed play. She didn't have to rewind. That's what upsets me. Like you, <laughs> you know, as someone, as someone who had to tape so much shit off the TV and off, off video, you had to constantly rewind your tapes. I need to come um, up with a jingle because that's where Natalie draws the line. That's where Natalie it. draws the line. You don't just press play and all of a sudden it's playing back in the perfect position. You have to rewind. There has to be the awkward moment for like 10 seconds, 30 seconds, two minutes where you have to sort of rewind and go, oh, yep, no, here's the spot. Play from here, play from here. <laughs> it's not like a DVD where you have set menus and you just flick back. And it's not like streaming where you have the little, you know, pictures at the bottom and you just kind sure. of scroll back. You know, the light of people yeah. don't understand, Stu, how hard hey, it Nat. was to sync your videotapes up and then. To- yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey Nat, what, what I'm what I'm hearing from you is that you've uh, said all you want to say about Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> <laughs> um, I said that there was a good scramble. I have one more thing to say, Stu. <laughs> right, yes. I have one more thing to say, and that is I loved the amount, the volume, the intensity, and the joy of every single freaking car racing cliche you can oh, yeah. imagine. I, I was trying to note them down by the end. Let's see what this baby can do. <laughs> that was said about three times. Hey, let the party begin. Let's give it to them. It's about <laughs> to get heavy. Just cliche after cliche. Yeah. Like whoever wrote this, you know how they've got AI now and we're all really terrified because AI is going to take our it's jobs as creative take writing our jobs. Take our gerbs. Um, you know, I don't think an AI could do the level of genius that I bring to this podcast, Stu, but it's... No. People Me, may not sure, care. you, you, know. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, don't degrade yourself, Stu. If anyone's going to be replaceable, it's me. You're still a journalist. I'm not. I've been replaced. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's lovely that you think journalists aren't replaceable. I, I, have, I have been replaced in the industry, probably by an AI machine. But <laughs> I, I, this is what I mean. It's like some guy just sat there going, I'm having a great day at the keyboard. Let's see what this baby can do. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, uh, is, is, is that what you call fifth gear? You know, it's just all cliches. And I, I yeah. loved it. I really appreciated. They went, we're leaning into it. There's definitely a sense in this movie that everything about the first movie is ramped up, you know, like, like, like all the street racing, all that stuff. It's all, it's all crazy. It's just cliche city. And I, I loved it. <laughs> it was great fun. I, I enjoyed this movie. I, 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 I had a fun time watching it. I, I thought, oh, my God, this is so silly. Yeah, heaps of street racing. It is racing. a deeply, deeply silly movie. My, my problem is knowing how to go, yes, let's let's talk about this particular race, and how, how they make them different. That's I think that's going to be the intriguing thing is how do you make mm. – so, the, I mean, the first one was more that heist thing with a bit of street racing. This one was drug racing. I think the difference is when Carter Verone made the heavies travel with them. Yes. So they had to, you know, keep an eye on them. They couldn't just run away. And then they turned that around by all of a sudden making them love them. <laughs> they, kept, yes. they kept laughing, going, hey, well done, man. Yeah, we did it. And all of a sudden they became buddies. Yeah, go see them. Yes, who were watching them. That was fun. So they that's kind of what they did different. So I'll be intrigued to see how different they can make things. Yeah. I, I, I feel like you will be pleasantly surprised by how different these movies become. <laughs> 
as they go forward. Do you want me to read out what my brother had to say about this movie? Yes, I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay, so 2F, 2F. Saw the introduction of Ludacris and Tyrese, both cool rappers in their own right. Unfortunately for this one, we didn't get Vin Diesel, which is a bit of a shame. I'm guessing the offer wasn't right for him to sign on again. And as you've said to us, uh, Stu, no, he got a shitload of money no, offered to him. he got offered a shitload of money and he turned <laughs> it down. Uh, the plot moves down to Miami. Street racers running drugs for a cartel boss. Paul goes undercover for the FBI to try to erase his criminal record from FF1, brackets, because that's what happens in real life. <laughs> uh, still crazy JDM, brackets, import vehicles used against American muscle. Yes. The hero cars here are the green Evo 7, Paul, and the horrid purple Mitsubishi Eclipse convertible Tyrese. Mm-hmm. We never got the Eclipse in Australia, but I believe it's an EVO driveline underneath, so still a cool, fast, turbo, all-wheel drive car. Uh, the Guidos drive big American muscle cars, which is pretty funny. Even Mendez makes an appearance, which is always nice. Smiley face. She plays <laughs> She plays a sexy undercover agent. She sure does. Uh, I know I've seen this one a fair few times, but also not as memorable as FF1. Uh, I remember the scene where they have to race to get to the mob boss's Ferrari and inside it's just a cigar, lol. Tyrese has to take his shirt off to smash the window, lol. That's right. That was the test when they were being tested and they had to get something out of the Ferrari. Then they need to get more cars, so they street race the Guidos for pink slips. The irony is the cars they own are probably 10 times as fast and 10 times as valuable making no sense, but, again, that probably they got them to carry out their plan later on, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I did like some of the car stuff in this one too, but definitely not as good as FF1. Uh, then they went to FF3, Tokyo Drift, hashtag fail. We all thought that's <laughs> the end of the series, lol. Yes. I mean, we, we will definitely talk about that next time. But, but yeah, Tokyo Drift is a weird outlier in uh, this series. So, yes, yeah, so that's that's my brother. And then I actually messaged him on the phone you know, saying thank you for all this, it's really great. But I'm surprised you didn't mention that they jumped a boat into a, a car into a boat. <laughs> and he wrote, what did he say? Oh, shit, yeah, that happens. I was pretty busy at work, lol, needed a quick 2F2F refresher. I'll come on the podcast with Tokyo Drift and we can just bag the shit out of it. Ha, 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 the stunts only get worse. <laughs> and then he's been sending me, like, clips of stand-up. He's been trying to send me the Joe Rogan thing that he mentioned from the first one. Right. Uh, he sent me a bit of stand-up of a guy talking about Fast and the Furious and how they name them. Uh, so, yeah, this has brought out my brother's, like, passion. It's great. I, 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 I thought my this. brother might be like, FF1, great movie, original stunts, really cool, FF2, not as you – know, I thought it would just be a brief summation, but we're getting detail. No, he's going, he's getting going deep dives on these. I love it. I love it. I, and I love getting his perspective too because, like I said, like we're coming at this from movie enthusiasts, but yes. he, he's coming at it from the perspective of this – you know, these were form- I assume these were formative films for him. So, you know, this is yeah. fantastic. Well, as we say, they've been around his adult life, you know, that's been yeah. his franchise. And what are they, th- this was mentioned in the first movie, which I didn't, the pink slips. We're racing for slips. Oh, just just um, ownership like the, of the car. Like, like right, you, so you, you like, have the pink slip. I think that's the registration slip in, in America. the US. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, so, so you own the car then. Because wasn't a pink slip somewhere like your, when you got fired, you got a pink slip? Is that Australia or is sure. that America? I mean, that might that might be that might be maybe they have lots of pink slips for various reasons. <laughs> yeah, you just don't don't get a slip, don't get it in pink. Yeah, that's the main thing. Get a red slip or a pink form, but don't get a pink slip. Pink slip? No, no, don't do it. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my brother. So I'll um, thank you, Simon, 
uh, for all of his thoughts. Uh, so we'll get him back for, for Tokyo Drift and at some point we'll try and get him on for one of the movies. Um, but, Stu, I also noticed that there's a Fast and the Future. You, you tweeted at me the poster for, for F10. Is it F10, yeah. FX? F10, FX, yeah. I mean, FX is hilarious because it's great. FX, special FX in FX. Indeed. Um, so you're saying that it's become very self-important? Well, I just wanted to give you a sense. I wanted to give you a sense <laughs> of where the series is at, where you have, like, Dominic Toretto, hands clasped in prayer with, with his signature, like, crucifix, which will become a thing. It, it looked like um, a rosary. Yeah, it's, rosary? it's weird. Like, there's, there's a weird... Again, we will get to all of this, but just, <laughs> the, the, the weird, the weird like peccadillos and and idiosyncrasies that that sort of accumulate like barnacles on this series <laughs> are just fascinating to me. They, they really are. They really are, and we'll get to them. But but yes, yeah, so that that's all in the future. I just wanted to give you a taste of where we're heading. The the, the sort of level of self seriousness and self importance. That is great. Oh, my God. What a road we're, we're journeying down. Oh, yes. I guess now we have to decide on ranking. Well, that's uh, right. Yeah, we, finally, we can finally do a ranking. Um, so, I, I mean, I'd be very curious to see whether you'd put this above or below uh, the first Fast and the Furious. Do you know, it's really tough because I I think I enjoyed this film a bit more, maybe. Mm, it, doesn't have Vin, it doesn't have Vin Diesel. Yes. But at the same time, I didn't really miss him. <laughs> but then, as you say, the first one probably had more real stunt driving, and this one had more. It was a bit more Miami Vice with a bit more special, cheesy special effects. Uh, I really don't know. What do you What do you think, Stu? Can I copy you? Well, look, I mean, for for me, it just slots in in second place at, at okay. this point. It just just by, just by a nose. Like if if these two movies were leaping across in front of a train together like <laughs> the first one would just edge ahead um because yeah, just because just because i feel like you know that that one is like where it all started it, it's it's weirdly charming in in many ways and i i feel like it's a better film i feel like it's a more cohesive film weirdly which is a weird thing to say about the fast and the furious but it is i think this movie is a bit of a mess i think they threw it together hoping to cash in on the success of the first film. And yet they made a very enjoyable film. Mm. It's, it's a just, romp. It's a romp. It's a, everyone's yeah. having a great time. You, you get the sense that everyone's having a great time making it, but I think the first one is better. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll agree with you then. Because <laughs> at this stage in the, at this stage in the franchise. I don't want to influence your, your thing though, because like if you, if you genuinely like had a better time watching this movie, then it should be first <sighs> on your list. The thing is, though, it's probably a lot of, like, the first one I was getting my bearings. Sure. If that makes sense. I'd never seen yeah. anything before. So, yeah, I think in terms of in terms of the the drama, the first one probably has a bit more drama. As, yes, in, I mean, yeah, as in cheesy drama. I'm not talking yeah. about actual drama. No, no. <laughs> this one was like, I mean, it was either either we do this gig for the cops or we go to jail or we do it for Carter Verone and we get killed. So either way, we're screwed. You know, it yes. had a bit of that energy to it. All right. Well, I might, I might go one, two as well because I'm okay. cheap. But oh, I, yeah, I will, I will point out that I will. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. go the other way just to be, cha- just to be, just to be different, just to no, be, sure. just to be different because they jumped a car onto a boat and they I sure appreciated did. it. I appreciated that. 
They sure did. I, was, I, will point, I will point out that this currently has a 36% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, so. <laughs> oh no. That, that's critical oh. consensus. It, the, the audience score is 50%. Uh, so even, even Fast and the Furious fans, there, there's so, some people, some people are ride or die for this movie uh, and others, you know, relegate it to the bottom of the list. Yeah. Although we are about to watch Tokyo Drift. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Well, that will be interesting. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if we start to diverge in opinions um, between you and I. Maybe I'll have to rank them first so I don't get influenced by you. Maybe. Maybe I'll just have to determine a spot before I can change my mind. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Stu, it has been a pleasure, uh, as always. If you are listening to our Revan On um, subsection analytical podcast thingy, please call in. At Girl Clumsy on Twitter, at Disco Stew on Twitter. Last week I said we were on Twitter, but I forgot to give out our handles. So silly me. I don't uh, think it as much anymore. <laughs> no one's even on there. Facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne is the Facebook page. And of course, the most important, Patreon.com slash Girl Clumsy. Thank you to all of my patrons. You are beautiful, wonderful rays of sunshine who. I can't thank enough and I think of you fondly as I drift off to sleep at night um, sort of like a zhong of cars and sexy girls with tops that don't cover their boobs and my patrons so if you can just imagine that is a wonderful <laughs> grouping to be involved in if you would like to join up patreon.com slash girl clumsy you can join up there throw in whatever you like a buck no problem but I appreciate it it's very 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 appreciated <laughs> If you are in Adelaide or know people who are in Adelaide, I'm taking a show called Speed the Movie the Play to Adelaide Fringe from the 21st of February through to the 5th of March. You can just Google Speed the Movie the Play or you can look up Adelaide Fringe and search for it in there or just go to actreact.com.au to find out all the details and how to book tickets. I would love to see you. I would love to see people there. Adelaide is a very late booking town. I was telling Stu before we started recording that uh, sales at this point in the procedure are very (laughs) slow because everyone leaves their booking to the last minute when it comes to fringe and you kind of have to hold your nerve like a gambler and just know when to hold them as Kenny Rogers says. So I'm currently in that uh, fun period where you get to, you know, really deeply think about all of your life choices and um, hope that people go, oh, yeah, that does sound like fun. So, yeah, Speed the Movie the Play, it's a loving homage to the 1994 action thriller Speed starring Keanu Reeves. It's lots of fun. It's set on an actual bus. It's in the Gluttony Hub in Rymel Park and you will have a wonderful time. So check it out if you are in Adelaide. If you know people, please pass it along. Um, I would love to see them. Uh, Stu, anything from you before we pack up our Mitsubishi eclipses and go, <laughs> and go riding down, into the sunset? Revving down the highway. Uh, no, no, I'm all good. I'm, I don't have anything to plug, so we are we are good to go. So let's load up and roll out. You know, I watched to the very end of the credits to see if there would be something after the credits, and there wasn't. And there wasn't, yeah. because of that that wasn't really a thing back then. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Except it was before the first movie. But then yes, yeah, they had a weird like after credit sequence, and then nothing in this one. And so with that, we can. Do we do our outro for this, even though Vin Diesel wasn't in this movie? Sure. I mean, he's not going to be the next one either, but but it's all about family. Family. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time for Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift.
and see what I'll do here, Stu, is leave a pause and then this will be our post-credit sequence. Oh, okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, so I see. I see. I, I will have just said, oh, my God, I waited and there was no post-credit sequence. But people won't have to wait that long because I queue up the music to finish as we say bye. And so I'll just, you know, put a bit of a gap in and then they can listen on and hear this post-credit sequence of me dissecting the post-credit sequence. It's very meta. <laughs> I think you'll agree. It's very, very clever. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I, I think I might be the smartest person alive, Stu, just quietly. <laughs> Remember how I said I was Ducks of Year 9? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's carried through. Still, It's still there somewhere. Absolutely. A VH in maths, Stu. I've got a VH in maths. Can you even believe? <laughs> I honestly uh, can't, knowing, knowing uh, you. I just, I don't know how I was so good at maths for like two years of my high school life and then it just all went away. Even like year 10, I was still getting an H. Even year 11, I was still passing. Year 12, boom, crashed and burned. Was it, it the was point bad. where they, they started introducing letters? Uh, no, I need the, I could do algebra before that. I don't think I could do it now. Do you ever sit down and go, I wonder if I could do stuff that I did at school and then go, I don't want to test it. I don't want to yeah. test it. I don't, I don't want to test how bad I would be. I don't. At, at that stuff. I'm, I'm going to screw up bad. Uh, it's like if I had to take my driving test tomorrow, I'd be real worried. You know, speaking yes. of fast and yeah, furious. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If, if I had to take my driving test, like a written test tomorrow and go, and when should you turn in roundabouts? I'd be like, oh. I mean, I can do it when I'm in the car, but it's all muscle memory and like road memory now. How do I enunciate it? So, but but yeah. that, that's all in the future for me because I because with Chloe, I've got um, with my daughter, I've got uh, like homework that I'll technically have to. Oh, know, she's going to look up at you and be like, "Dad, you're the smartest person alive." I don't. Yeah. How how are you, my dad? You're so amazing. You will know all this stuff, and you'll be like, and "Yeah." I'll be like, uh, I don't know what, what yeah. this is." You'll be saying, you know, the change mathematics. Great Wall of China was to keep out rabbits because Emperor <laughs> Mazigoreng had to, yeah. And that's a little bit of a cultural Easter egg if you're Australian and you watch TV in the early 2000s. <laughs> uh, yes. And with that, so endeth our post-credit sequence. <laughs> we hope it was worth it. We're putting together an initiative and we want you <laughs> to join us. We'll see you next time, everyone. Bye. Bye. Boy, what you gonna do?